Welcome back to another episode of A Sides. Andy's sitting here with me. Hey, hey, Brent. It's <laughs> like the weird, <laughs> abrupt, uh, loud. I feel like I'm loud. Like Will Ferrell. I cannot control the volume of my voice. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just, you know, I'm excited. What can I say? I need to uh, crack into this beer. So I'm going to start off by talking about this beer that I'm going to drink. Andy's enjoying a pretty basic ass shock top. Yeah. I consider uh, Shock Top and Blue Moon to be basic bitch beers, but that's just because my wife. Hey, I'm kind of basic. <laughs> I'm a basic bastard. We already established that. So. That's true. That's true. So let's talk about this, because this was an interesting beer, and we tried it last weekend when you were over here. Legendary Lemon, brought to you by Little Beaver Brewery from Bloomington, Illinois. Now, we've had some of their stuff in the past. Some of it's been good. Some of it, not so much. Or I think there was one that I hated, you liked. Yeah. This one is unanimously fucking hated, <laughs> I think, between <laughs> me and Andy here. Um, I'm going to drink it anyhow, just because I thought that it'd be fun to drink something that tastes like fucking a combination of bath water and piss and talk about it. So, uh, sugary bath water and Sugary piss. bath water and piss. That is how I describe this beer. So, I had one yesterday. It was quite the chore to choke it down, mm. but I thought, I'm going to give it a second chance because it's hot. It was like a hot day, nice day to sit down mm. on the patio. I thought, ah, oh, like crisp, lemony refreshment sounds good. And then I fucking realized, no, this was really terrible. Like, this wasn't going to be any better today just because it's like hot and sunny out. So let's take a drink. Let's see if I can express again how much... I dislike this. Oh, there it is. It's weird because it is really crisp and refreshing at first. And then it leaves you with this terrible fucking aftertaste. Mm. I think it's the vanilla and what was it, milk sugar that we were talking yeah. about. And it's yeah. like, who the fuck paired vanilla with lemon? It's actually just... It seems like it would be a good idea, but not not when it, the the lemon yeah. tastes like straight fucking lemon juice. Like just squirting a fucking lemon <laughs> in your mouth and then eating a uh, vanilla candy bar. Dude, this is really random, but I just remembered that I bought this white chocolate uh, candy bar with pretzels in it at Farm and Fleet yesterday. Really? And I have no fucking clue what I did with it. <laughs> <laughs> just, when I just said the thing about... Is it like melted in your car in I don't the backseat or something? Well, it would be in the trunk, I think. But I took everything. I just had the one bag. I, fuck, I don't know, man. That's super weird. I just mm. thought of that out of nowhere. And I'm like, shit, what happened to that candy bar? Because <laughs> I started talking about, I was going to say vanilla uh, candy bar or something. And then it was like my brain just switched gears like, oh, <laughs> shit, wait a minute. <laughs> I bought a fucking candy bar I never ate yesterday. (laughs) Granted, I don't need it. My stomach is, you know, probably Hmm. better off, but now I'm like... Is that a statement on what kind of day you had? You're just... 
I don't know. I had a pretty good day yesterday. I was productive. I cleaned up my I cleaned my closet out. Oh. I've got a trunk full of uh, clothes going to Goodwill, and uh, I put a bunch of old like band T-shirts away for Harry when he oh, grows cool. up. Even though he'll probably start listening to fucking rap or some shit just despite <laughs> me but and then i'll have nothing to give him because i don't own any tupac or Nicki minaj shirts or whatever <laughs> the hell whatever the hell the kids will be listening to then who knows yeah he's only well, six yeah, it's true so man. yeah and it's he does like everything could change boom like he that. does listen to kiss yeah right now he's pretty cool right now so hopefully that doesn't go down the drain I don't know why I went on a rant about that. <laughs> why not? Yeah, why not? It's, so, your, it's your podcast, too. Yeah. You got anything you want to bitch about? No. No, because we'd be here all day. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we have a topic for today, and it's kind of different. I think we came up with an idea to talk about like our top five underrated albums, and I'm not really sure like what your criteria was. I kind of wanted to see where you were going to go with it because... Yeah, because I think we had an idea of... Is it like a combination of a couple of our ideas, I think? And you had said something like, well, they didn't sell as well. So that's why I want a clarification on that. Yeah, we probably should I was kind of going by, too, like um, albums, I guess, that like you don't really hear anybody talk about. Or that they're always at the bottom of like lists. Because I was looking online oh, okay. too, trying to see where other people would kind of rank these albums within their respective yeah. bands. Hmm. And they're always at the bottom too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I just... So this is how, how I went into it. Because there could have easily been like a bunch of underrated albums by bands that people don't really know. Like yeah. the Matt, like our friends know them and shit, but not like, you know the mass population. Yeah. Like, you know, so I went into it with like, okay, I'm going to make like the rules for myself. Kind of simple, really. Like an 80s band that had a lot of success at some point or, you know, whatever. Some hit singles was on MTV or whatever. And then like the record that just kind of didn't sell well. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, because that's what I was thinking too. But then I started thinking... Well, none of these bands really sold well in the 90s, so you can't really... I wasn't really sure about that, because I'm like, well, all of them could be, like... Right. Uh, um, um, undersold, because grunge and everything else was so popular. Right. That they're obviously not. So that's why I was trying to, like, not look at it from a sales perspective, I think. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to look at the more of the under... Rated than undersold, I guess. I don't know, because none of these were really burning up the charts. Right, right, yeah, no. None of them would have. So, I guess I just... The list in my head could have just gone on for fucking forever. Yeah. So, I was like, I got to cut it down to five that I feel like came from bands that were at least this successful. And no one, obviously, listening to this can see where my hand is at. But you know, you know I do I mean? the same but, thing too. I go, yeah. oh, the trajectory of some band, and I'm yeah. always doing something with my hand. But then, like, so like, I tried to like think of it like, okay, the album that they had that was really fucking killer that you know might have bombed 
either commercially yeah. or lost a lot of their fan base or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? Alienated like, people. Yeah. So it was really weird, though, because there was a couple of them. I don't know. It seems like there's a couple of them that I wouldn't be surprised if we had on the same list, but then I'm like, I don't know, though, because we might have mm-hmm. went into this with a whole different thought process. and Yeah, so that's why I thought, well, if we don't talk a whole lot about it, maybe it'll make it more interesting. Yeah, maybe. We'll so, find out. Or so, it'll yeah. just be a bunch of basic bitch shit, and it'll suck. Yeah. A bunch of basic Well, bastards. then why don't you start it off, then? But here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't I didn't rank these, because I thought, well, you can't really rank yeah. them, because it's like apples to oranges. They're like different bands. I right. mean, it's one thing to rank them within their own... Right. Uh, bands and these are at the bottom anyway, so yeah. I didn't. I didn't. No, do I didn't rank them, and yeah. I didn't even really want to. Like, I was just gonna get one out of the way, <laughs> right away. That's probably like the obvious one. Yeah. For me, and I almost didn't even, you know, put it on my list. But then I'm like, but then I'm not being honest. Like, if I'm gonna say these are my top five favorites, it was really hard. There was like a there wasn't there was, okay. So like one album that's not on my list, and. The reason I ended up, it was on my list, and then I took it off and changed it because I was like, well, okay, technically, like, the one single was a pretty big hit. It was a short-lived hit, but These Days by Bon Jovi, I love that fucking album. Oh, see, I thought that might be on your list, and I actually went back and listened to it to see if it would be on mine, and I'm like, well, I like the album, but I don't feel like it really is, like... Well, I'm not really that huge of a fan of Bon Jovi, so I don't have right. as much to say about it, I guess, other yeah. than, oh, yeah, this is a good album, boom. And yeah, I mean, I love that album, but then I was like, well, you know, this ain't a love song was a big hit. It was short-lived. It was coming off the tail end of Always when they did the Crossroads yeah. Best Of thing, and Always was a huge fucking smash, and it was on MTV, like, every five minutes, and... uh you know, This Ain't a Love Song came out, and I think that, I mean, it was on there a lot, but I think a lot of people didn't like it. I just remember people not liking it. Yeah. And I actually thought it was the better song. I thought, man, it's a great song. Like, it's just a better, like, it's not as sappy as always and cheesy. Yeah. Like, it's just more of, like, a real fucking song. And then there was just a lot of great songwriting on that record, but I thought, well, I don't know if I could consider it underrated. I think for the most part, it is because most people are going to talk about, you know, you have to talk about bon New Jersey it's like slippery or when slippery when wet. When wet yeah. Even though, like, I'm probably still going to say I like slippery when wet, maybe a hair more than these days. Just depends on the mood I'm in, I guess. Yeah. You know which version of Bon Jovi I want, but but it's easily those two at the top for me. And I think a lot of other people would probably be like, well, no, I'd still rank Keep the Faith above that. Blah blah blah. So, so that was a rant about <laughs> the album that didn't make my list. Yeah, yeah, it was cut from the list, you know. And there was some, there was some other good ones. I had a hard time to when I disqualified that one. It made my number five spot like harder because then it was gotcha. like I had two that I felt like were neck and neck with each other. Yeah, and then like I had to pick one, and I was like, fuck. Which one? It just depends on the day. And then I was like, well, I probably go back to this one more often. And so I'll just make a liar out of myself and I'll go into this conversation instead of starting with the album that I said I was going to start with. Um, So really it came down to, there was two albums 
both from 80s bands that came out later in the 80s, so really only had like a very short-lived peak of success like in the MTV heyday. So like Warren's Dog Eat Dog was close. That was the one that was neck and neck, and then I kind of I had to put it off to the side because I just realized like, man, Enough's Enough's Peach Fuzz album is just so fucking good, and I go back to that one more than I do the Warren album. Oh, wow. Okay, so, cool. yeah. And it was just really badass, like, when they put out, like, they just recently reissued Peach Fuzz. Yeah, because I picked that up, too. Yeah. And it's just a great fucking pop album, man. I mean, obviously, Enough's Enough's had, like, a lot of really great pop songs. Yeah. Anyhow, I mean, you can't really go wrong with the whole, like, Beatle-ish formula that they, you know, have yeah. kind of stuck to. I mean, so for me, man, that one kind of... Oh, cool. That's a surprising one because I kind of thought I knew what your five might be, but like I like that you're like already throwing me a curveball. Cool. Well, I was trying. No, I wasn't really trying. <laughs> but I, you know, I wasn't really, like I said, there was so many to choose from um, album wise. And so I had to make kind of like this strict rule book to follow. Yeah. Like, you know, have this kind of. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I had to follow the whole formula and keep it and to the point to where I almost, with Enough's Enough, was like, well, were they big enough? And it's like, well, yeah, Flying High Michelle, okay, that was a big enough song. Like, Fly High Michelle was on fucking MTV yeah. enough to where it's like, yeah, they were big enough, and it was a really short-lived success. They obviously weren't as big as some of the other bands that we'll obviously talk about in a little bit, but... It was still big enough to where I feel like enough people probably would, you know, always go to strength or the debut or uh, um, I like uh, animals, animals with, with human, human intelligence. intelligence. Yeah, that's I a great would, album yeah. too, and that's those are like the three everybody's going to probably talk about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, even though I'm sure that the hardcore fan base is going to be like, well, no, that's not underrated. Peach Fuzz is awesome. We all know it's. Yeah. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, great. We we do like anybody that really is into music and into these bands is going to know that's a great album but you know i'm sticking with like the the popular opinion of just like any knucklehead that maybe only kind of listens to what's on the radio they're going to be like oh they only had enough's enough only had that one song or two songs if they remember new thing which was even kind of a short-lived shorter lived Hmm. hit you know so whatever that's my uh that's my story. So, huh, I don't know, you. man. I was going to... Um, I even like the Christmas song on there that they got. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was going to say, I pulled up the track listing because, like I said, I was going to do that. And I was like, well, I'll talk about a specific song. But then I'm like, you know, or talk about specific songs and like the highlights and stuff. And it's like, I don't... I guess it's such a solid record to me. The opening track, Let It Go, is obviously just like, when I think of this album, that song instantly hits yeah. my fucking head. But... Then I really like that Kitty song, you know. It just has like such a cool, I don't know. It's just cheesy, yeah. You know, so and now that hooks in my head. Like I just, yeah. Isn't there one at the like second track or third? Like you're not me mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one too. Yeah, I mean it's just a pop. So, yeah, great pop song, loaded fucking record, and I'm all killer, no filler. Fuck yeah. Yes. So if you've never heard Peach Fuzz from Enough's Enough, pick it up today. Yeah. At your local record store. 
if those exist in your town. <laughs> All right, whatever. All right. Moving along, Andrew. Um, I've got one and like so so when we first like started talking about uh these underrated albums, I had like a few that came right to my head like right away like I thought of this one from Alice Cooper, like Last Temptation. I'm like um, so so I just started throwing out 90s albums or like like Def Leppard, like Euphoria, and then even Doc and like Dysfunctional. But I'm like, those are ones that like even the Doc and Dysfunctional, that's already in a conversation. People are already kind of talk about that. Yeah. And I was like, so I do have Dockin on this list. And so I guess my first choice is Dockin Erase the Slate. There's one where people said they did one that was like a new metal or some kind of weird album. And I think that's between Dysfunction and Erase the Slate. I can't remember. It's like Shadow Life. I think that's the title. And that's the last one with George Lynch. And people seem to just go, oh, well, once George Lynch was out of the band, they didn't do anything anymore. But this Erase the Slate had like Red uh, Beach from Winger in there. And like, I don't know. I think it's a really good album and it holds up with all their... I don't know uh, the record, so... Uh, 80s stuff, but yeah. Unfortunately, um, I'm not a Dokken fan at all, so this is all See, then maybe you. it is underrated. This is all on you, see, buddy. In, the, <laughs> in the conversation, people kind of do talk about dysfunction or yeah. dysfunctional, I guess, that album when they got back together. So it's really not underrated because people at least talk about it. You right. know, this one, like, nobody... Like, I don't know of anybody talking about it and, like... Um, it's got some cool songs. There's like a Mad Hatter song. They do a cover of that one from Harry Nielsen. And then uh, there's like a song, Change the World. I don't know. It just seemed like a return to form for the band, I guess. Yeah. Because how, you know, some of those bands who were kind of like trying to fit into the 90s, they did like a grunge album technically right. or something like that. Well, this one actually, it was June of 1999 when it came out. And uh, it sounds like a return to form for the band. I'm using, like, air quotes. Yeah. So it sounds like the classic <laughs> 80s thing. Yeah. And I don't know, but I'm agreeing. Um, I don't know. It was a good <laughs> album, so that's what I'm going with. Docking, Erase the Slate. Hard for me to have much to say on that one because yeah. I'm not a fan of the band, and so it just kind of was like, you know, I just got to let you roll on that one, man. You're the Everybody's one. probably going to, like, hit a stop once they heard Docking, or at least well, Jim Glass is going to be like, boop. He might scroll ahead. I don't know yeah. if he'll stop, but, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know, man. I don't hear anybody talking about that album, but... Well, I, I feel like, cool. you know, you're off to a pretty damn good start as far as being a little bit more obscure. And I guess maybe I am, too. Yeah. I don't really know. I feel like, for yeah. the most part, I guess, to me... I was trying to do my homework, I guess, and you're doing the same thing. There's some that are obvious where it's like, yeah, like, I guess some of these bands weren't, right. like, selling, but then there's stuff that's just way off the radar, and I was trying to, like, think... Yeah. I was trying to do a little bit more uh, critical thinking, I guess, yeah. or something. I guess you probably did more thinking than I did because I think mine's kind of about as basic bastardy as I can get. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, but I just felt like I couldn't deny some of my favorites, and so I'll just yeah. get the next one out of the way. This oh, is the okay. one I was going to start with for the sake of getting it out of the way. And obviously we've probably oh, talked about okay. it a million times, yeah. and you know it's the 94 Motley Crue record with John Karabi and yeah. I I mean what am I going to say am I going to seriously say oh I'm going to make my top five uh, 
underrated albums or whatever and like not put that on there like but then it's also kind of complicated because it's like well what's it underrated what are you basing that off of because it's almost unanimously the best fucking crew record short of i'll say this like because you you get a lot of people you see it online all the time you know saying that this record was the best motley crew album ever blah 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 it was except it's like two totally different bands, so like I don't even compare it to the other records, other than the fact that there really was no fucking point in putting out another record after this with the yeah. name Molly Crew on it because it's like you got a replacement singer, you made like your strongest work musically, yet, yeah, and then everything since has just been like watered down and there really was no point in anything after this album existing like there's stuff I like <laughs> on Generation Swine but like I don't need half that yeah. fucking record and I don't even need Saints of Los Angeles even though a lot of people kind of dug that and thought that was kind of like a return to form and it had some hits and stuff but it's just really just overproduced it's more of a 6am album yeah, right because it's got James, James Michael. Michael probably played more than any of those fucking guys on that record, but, um, you know, like, Too Fast for Love, if somebody's going to say, what's your favorite Motley Crue album, I'm going to say, Too Fast for Love, all fucking day long. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, but, I also, you know, <laughs> the, uh, my other favorite album that has the word Motley Crue, the, you know, the name yeah. Motley Crue on it, even though it just doesn't even feel like the same band, is this fucking album. You know, and it fucking, I mean, it just, I don't probably even have to have this discussion with you because I know we've probably already talked about this album a million times. And I think when I first mentioned doing this episode, I said, I'm disqualifying this album and not even putting it on there. I but, think. But then I was like, I just, was that the rule? Did we decide on that? Does Andrew even, well, I just called you Andrew. I never call oh. you Andrew unless I'm joking. Does Andy, <laughs> does Andy even remember me saying that? Like, I don't fucking no, know. No, I don't I'm even remember gonna... that. But I actually, I disqualified it on my own because I was, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, is it actually underrated? Because there's always like a discussion about that. Yeah. And... Uh, even like we saw the tour, John Karabi did like a 25th anniversary kind of tour. Thing, yeah. And I think it was called the Motley 94 tour or maybe even Motley crew 94. So I think to use the band's name, he'd have to get permission. So they're at least acknowledging that he's touring. And like you said, you bought the vinyl of it. I bought the CD of it. Yeah. So obviously there's some kind of, de- um, a demand for it, I guess. Right. So that's why I'm like, is it actually underrated if it's... I guess it just depends on how you define... If it's getting more exposure define... now on the internet and stuff. Right. It's like people are talking about it. But that's the thing, is this day and age, there is a group for everything. Like, even that docking record yeah, that I have probably, no fucking clue yeah. what you're talking about, but I guarantee you could probably find some forum somewhere where it's just people jerking off over that album dude red beach years solos man his tone or something like that i mean but that's the thing it's like so i just based it on whether these albums were a flop when they initially yeah was there any commercial success yeah and with the enough's enough one it's like well there obviously wouldn't have been any commercial success it was 96 and those bands were all pretty well fucking done by that point yeah which is you know almost more impressive that they come out with a really great fucking record when 
who really gave a flying fuck if they did. Yeah, the 25 people maybe bought it. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, dude, I still think, like, I can still remember the day that I that they premiered uh, Hooligans Holiday on MTV, and I remember sitting on the edge of my bed with my little fucking, like, 20-inch TV yeah. on, on my dresser, like, watching it, like, oh, fuck, new Motley Crue song. And I didn't even... I guess I didn't... I was young enough to where... I wasn't really on top of, like, what was going on. Or Vince Neil even being out of the band, right? Yeah, it's like, because I knew he did, like, a solo album and shit, because I remember seeing uh, the video for Sister of Pain on uh, Headbangers Ball. I almost said Hairbangers Ball. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, um, so I had seen that video, and I, you know, I thought that was really cool and everything, but I guess I never, like, I was too young. Yeah. Fuck, what was I? Like 13, I guess, when this album came out. And so maybe I did know he was out of the band. I don't really fucking know. I mean, I was just now really getting into the band. Yeah. And so it was like when I was really, really fucking in love with Motley Crue and was playing that Decade of Decadence CD like fucking every day, 80 times a day. <laughs> you know, and so they premiere this new video and I'm just like, what the fuck? Like... And Who's I even, this guy? What the, and I didn't this? like it at first. I'm not going to sit there and pretend yeah. that I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking knew it was awesome the first time I heard it. I was totally confused. Like, I, this ain't even the same band. What the fuck am I listening to? And I didn't like that they were trying to do some grungy kind of thing, which really is not a grunge record, but a lot of people were saying that at the time and whatever. And uh, I don't know, man. It, it was one of those things where it just grew on me the more I heard it and the more the video popped up on MTV. And I remember I bought the single for Misunderstood, which had, um, Jesus, what was the, uh, Hypnotized. That was one of the B-sides, and then there was like mm-hmm. a remix of, uh, like the stupid fucking extended version of Hooligan's Holiday. So anyhow, I was like, well, fuck, man. This hypnotized song is really badass, and the songs just all grew on me, so then I ended up buying the full album, and you know, back in those days, it was like, I only really bought the singles, because I might only have like five bucks in my fucking pocket or something, (laughs) I, you know, I couldn't afford to drop like 12 bucks on the CD or whatever it was, and so I just, you know, they had the single for like 499 or something and I you know bought it and fucking just played the shit out of it then got the whole record and was like god damn like how the fuck did I not think this was gonna be good you know I just felt stupid yeah because I was by that point I was almost like a late bloomer getting to the party although you know there's plenty of people that probably still haven't heard that record and we'd be blown away if you played it for them now they'd be like oh fuck why did it why did I write that off why didn't I listen to it you know because, I mean, there's a lot of times where I've had discussions where people are like, oh, didn't they, didn't Motley Crue have an album with, like, another singer? And they almost, like, say it, like, yeah, like, they got a bad taste in their mouth over it or something. It's like, yeah, you didn't listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> if, you'd, if, you're, if you're treating it like that, you know. But anyhow, I'm, a, uh, I'm not going to go through talking about highlights on this because it's such a great fucking album front to back. I mean... And I guess I kind of already did talk about some of the songs. Like Hypnotized, I don't even know why the fuck that didn't make the record. That was such a great fucking uh, tune. And, uh, 
And then there's songs that didn't hit me. Okay, so I'm lying. I'm going to start talking about some of the songs. But <laughs> because some of the songs, now that I'm thinking about it, like Till Death Do Us Part and Dropping Like Flies, like I didn't even really dig those songs at first. Even though I like the whole record, but those weren't like the standout songs to me. Mm-hmm. But like years later now, those are a couple of my favorite songs. Maybe it's just because I fucking like played Smoke the Sky so many fucking times over and over again or like welcome to the numb because it just was such a cool riff and it was so fucking crazy that you know there's just ones that i probably wore out when i was younger so now when i go back and listen to it it's like there's just different things that i appreciate differently about it and to me that's what makes a great record like something that really like 20 years after the fact 30 years after the fact just starts like taking on like this whole other yeah, you just forget about like, it because you have certain ones that you like and then some are kind of... Right. But anyhow, I guess I've spent enough time babbling about this. Oh, one, no. But <laughs> so, all right, well, well. All right. Well, I've got one that is probably a little um, bit obscure as well. Um, the second one I have is uh, Dio's Angry Machines from 1996. And... I looked at, like, I started Googling, like, Dio uh, top albums or Dio albums ranked, and everybody puts this one at the bottom. And, like, I don't know. I can't, I even wanted to put it at the bottom, too, because last year, like, right before the pandemic, they were reissuing four uh, Dio albums, the last four Dio albums on vinyl and CD, and the CD had bonus tracks, like, live tracks and stuff. It was... Angry Machines, like Magicka, Killing the Dragon, and like Master of the, of the Moon. And Angry Machines is the only one that I didn't pre-order. I'm like, I don't need that fucking record. It's stupid. There's nothing good on it. Well, then it kind of like, uh, like last summer I ended up buying it anyways. And it still has some strong stuff on it because I felt like, I don't know how familiar you are with Dio stuff, but like... Really just the first few, like some of those later records like those. I, yeah, or like, well, like Black's... He he had got back together with Black Sabbath and did Dehumanizer. Right, which is fucking killer. Which, yeah, it's like angry and like doomy and like, I don't know, it's awesome. And I even underrated that myself until it would, like it got reissued. But then after that, he went back to his own band and did like Strange Highways. So I, I always felt like... That was just, it sounds like Dio's version of Dehumanizer. And then Angry Machines kind of sounds like the same thing. Like he's still doing this really weird kind of angry shit where he usually he talks about rainbows and now he's singing about <laughs> shit. It's like, it's weird hearing Dio sing about angry shit and not sing about rainbows, you know? Because he even said he listened to the classic shit. And right. it's like Rainbow in the Dark or like, I don't yeah. know, even the band Rainbow and shit. Well, this has some cool songs. And, like, so on this Angry Machines, there's one uh, that really stands out to me. I'll say this as a song. Uh, It's called Double Monday. And he's talking about, like, he even introduces the song because there's a live version of it. He's like, this is about the worst day of your life times two. And then he's like, Double Monday. Well, at the time, during the pandemic, when they re-released this album, uh... They furloughed a bunch of people where I work, so our right. staff shrunk. So it's like Monday was the really shitty day because you think if people are buying sunglasses online and they're buying stuff on Saturday and Sunday, all those orders 
roll over onto Monday. So really, I had a double Monday every Monday because you got twice as many orders. So I was like, fuck, dude, double Monday. So I don't know. The album kind of stuck with me. So you connected with Dio. Yeah, so I connected with Dio mm. and Double Monday. And it is. Like, everybody says this is Dio doing a grunge. And I think it's easy for even the Motley Crue thing that you just had an example. Everybody just goes, oh, well, these bands were trying to do grunge. Just no, they, they made, just uh, because they did something different doesn't mean it was necessarily a grunge album. Dio wasn't out there wearing flannel and shit right. and, like, Doc Martens or something. I mean, Kiss, like, they're a carnival of souls, like... That one does. That one sounds that, like... There's some really good songs on there that I love. Contrived. But some of them like, do sound yeah. just like Alice in Chains, and they're even yeah. kind of doing that kind like of it's too intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one, it's like, I feel like that's the one where it's like, if you want to accuse somebody of trying to make a grunge record just to fit in, like, I'll let you slide, and you can get away with calling Kiss sellouts for that record. Yeah. Which is great that it fucking, well, didn't yeah. technically come out. Yeah, but out, it's too but... lazy, I guess. That's where I'm going. It's too lazy yeah, no, to say right. some of these are grunge albums, because they're not. Like, no. what makes it a grunge album? No, they're not at all. Yeah, and even grunge bands don't even sound the same. Nirvana doesn't sound the same as Pearl Jam. No, I mean, none of those. I think grunge was more of a look or just a reaction to uh, whatever came before it. I like the early Alice in Chains stuff really still had a lot of the 80s kind of cock rock thing going on, you know, so. So, yeah, so Dio Angry Machines, it's it's not a bad album. It doesn't deserve to be at the bottom. I mean, Master of the Moon deserves to be at the bottom. It's kind (laughs) of lazy, and it just seems like it's kind of just boring. Yeah. So. Sold, man. All right, man. I'm so, gonna, Dio dive, Angry Machines. All I'm right, dive into that album and you know give it the give it the chance it deserves, according yeah. to you. All right. Well, my next one, I felt like this was almost too easy because we kind of just talked about it, but I couldn't help it. Like, if I'm being honest and I'm saying that this is my top five, it's my top five. So, stop four forty two from Anthrax. I couldn't not have it on yeah. there because I that one is just overlooked on all the different aspects all the different angles we're trying to uh look at this and consider like well what makes it you know underrated and whatever because this one like financially or financially probably that too but uh you know as far as like sales commercially and yeah they probably financially (laughs) lost their ass on it like they probably you know what i mean like it was a flop all the way around Plus, like, even being a fan of Anthrax and following them online and stuff, like, you don't really hear this album talked about very much. And I think even, like, when I saw them live, which was back when they still had John Bush in the band, I don't even remember if they, I think they might have played Fueled and that was it. I actually looked up the set list and found it. It was August, I don't remember the exact date, but it was August of, yeah, you said 2003. Or something, and I looked at the set list, and I think, yeah, they might have played Fueled, and that's yeah. it. But like, and it's just such if a they great even hit anything at all. Album with you know, Random Acts of Senseless Violence is you know one of my favorite songs of theirs, and King Size was fucking badass. Riding Shotgun, in yeah. his own, the whole goddamn yeah, thing. Yeah, because we, yeah, and man, it's, and it's another one where I mean, there's just stuff that gets like over the years. Like it's one of those that's front loaded. You know what I mean? Like. The first three songs sound like fucking hits, but then 
as the years go by and you listen to it more and more, I think the rest of the record starts growing on you to where you're like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, I never really gave this one that much attention and blah, 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 you know. Yeah, and we were talking so, about Bear at the end. Yeah. That's like... That's a good song. There's a lot. I mean, there's not a bad song on it, you know. There's better songs. Yeah, man, good choice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, it's, you know, I felt like, ah, do I really want to put it on there? Because we just talked about these guys. But I mean, if I'm just being honest and making the list, uh, you know, with the criteria in mind that I said was going to be the... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my basis of how I was going to come up with this list, then, yeah, I mean, I, I have to put it on there. Yeah. I like the Motley record. It's like, I, if I don't put it on there, then I don't know. Maybe I just made too many fucking rules for myself, so I decided to put it on there. But Yeah. Granted, it's something you like. So, yeah, these are ones that I like. I, like. Like, I do feel like maybe, like, uh, the Bon Jovi one is overlooked because it's not as popular as the other ones, but I don't have as much of an attachment to it. So that's why I was picking. That's why yeah. I disqualified it because I've got more of an attachment to maybe Dio or right. uh, um, Dokken, yeah, and stuff. So you're doing the same thing. You're like, I got more of an attachment yeah. to this. I than... mean, these days that album, it's like I keep bringing it up, even though it wasn't technically on the list. But it's like the only reason I disqualified it was because I do feel like that single was big enough to not call it a complete fucking commercial failure. I just think, yeah, you know, the longevity of that record, none of the hits kept a life of their own yeah they lived on like you know you still hear fucking obviously living on a prayer but you know you still even hear like never say goodbye which was like a hit but then like it seemed like it wasn't played that much for a while and then it's kind of still every once in a while you hear it and you're like ah oh, fuck they still do play this on the radio and you know um and even lay your hands on me hmm. from Keep the Faith it was on that album, wasn't it? I might be getting my shit all mixed up in my head now, but maybe that was on New Jersey. I don't know. No, yeah. that was on Keep the Faith, wasn't it? Fuck, who cares? Anyhow, I don't know, man. We're not talking about Bon Jovi I know, here but, today. You know, just I guess the point is like that to me is like a qualification for yeah. considering an album underrated. You know, too, if like maybe it had a short-lived commercial success, but then like. It ended, and then you never yeah. heard from it again. You know, you never heard the fucking singles on the radio anymore, and yeah. you know. So, I don't know. I'm really just broadening <laughs> the rule book as far yeah. as what makes an underrated album at this point. But that's all right. Whatever. Um, so, so my third one, I don't, I don't know. I tried to look up, like, because at least the other two that I had, Dio, Angry Machines. And the docking erase the slate. You can kind of tell those are underrated or something, or not even. They're so far off the radar because I saw that they were released in, um, in Japan before they were released in the United States. So obviously they're playing to that market more than even America. Uh, but this, like my third one, I was trying to look up because I was looking up what you said, like sales might account for it. So I was trying to take that criteria into consideration so i don't know anything about the background of this album but i've got rats 99 album because that that really though all i know is that's never in the conversation with rat because when i was kind of getting into them or there's like a group of guys i was hanging out with (laughs) 10 years ago who were like 20 years older than me and they worked at like a hospital and i would kind of drink with them and, and watch football with them 
one guy was big into rat and he goes, yeah, man, have you ever heard of like Infestation? That's an awesome album. But nobody like, or even some of the people we're friends with now that went to the Pekin shows and stuff, nobody ever really talked about Rat's 99 album. And I don't know, did they play that when they got back together? Anything from that album? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah, like they probably might have played Eat Me Alive. I don't know. From, I don't remember the set list. From like, Infestation. But yeah, like but I don't, nobody talks about this album and it doesn't, really even sound like a rat album at all it sounds like a kind of bluesy rock album right or hmm. it's really mainstream like there's no kind of sleazy um sunset strip sound and right. hmm. i just think like you said sometimes good songs are good songs no matter what it is and i feel like there's good songwriting yeah. oh, on this album so yeah rat 99 or yeah. i would have never seen that one coming you know i don't I, know i like it I think if I was going to pull anything from that, but then it's like, is it considered underrated by your criteria would be the first arcade album. But then like, that's one that like really is revered amongst fans. Like people are like, yeah, it's like the best rat album that wasn't rat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, or maybe this over, I overlooked because I don't think Robin uh, Crosby was part of it either. Like I looked up and it, he wasn't in there, but the other four guys were. So and yeah, it's I mean, weird because they that, had like but... Jack Blades wrote some songs I think, like Jack Russell. So it's kind of got a weird like sound to it. So maybe that's why people don't talk about it. But I don't think it's bad. Maybe I'll give it another shot. I don't yeah. know if I ever listened to it all the way through. I kind of gave up on them after. Uh, uh, what was hey, the well, there's a song "Gave Up, Given Up." So well, then you just go. you just I gave, gave up, up on it. I gave it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's like <sighs> Detonator was killer. That one had a lot of really cool stuff. And then there was the one. What was the one that they put out? God, I can picture it, and I just, I'm drawing a blank, but whatever. Isn't there something like Collage, or was that, that B-Sides was or something? Yeah, or Collage like, was, like, came yeah. out in, like, 95, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. I didn't like it. I kind of just gave up on them after yeah. that. Like, ah, fuck these guys. <laughs> so. Yeah, like, I don't know. So, yeah, like, people let me know in the comment section if this is underrated or I'm just weird or. Wrong. Whatever, I don't know. I kind of You know, though, it. you've always had, like, the knack for picking, like, the most, like, <laughs> like your favorites of everything seems to be, like, the shit that people are like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like, even Denny was, favorite, like, a uh, cheap trick special one, and he's like, yeah, you're special, all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that album. That's still a good album. It's just not... Yeah, it's just not in the conversation of, like, the uh, cool shit. Yeah. Hey, man, you had Mighty Wings. You were talking about that for a good five minutes. That's a great song, (laughs) man. I'll still stand behind that one. All right. All right, so what's next for you? (laughs) All right, my next one, and you probably saw this one coming because I feel like, you know, we've known Uh, Well, no, I don't because all the stuff I saw coming you haven't talked about or whatever. Well, this one I'm thinking you probably saw coming because I feel like we've talked about it enough, but... So, Native Tongue from Poison. Oh, okay. I mean, come on. Yeah. How's it not going to be on my list? And it made me a Richie Kotzen fan from that moment on, you know what I mean? Like, I was interested in whatever he was doing after the fact, because it's like, who the fuck's this guy? And I can remember remember KZ93 premiering Stand on the radio before this album, and like a long time before this record came out, because I remember... They said they were going to play the new Poison song. I was like, oh, shit. So I, like, scurry for the fucking, you know, cassette tape, pop it in, and I, like, 
I recorded off the radio and I listened to it like, I don't know. In my head now, I'm thinking it was like a year before the record came out. But obviously, like when you're a kid, everything seems so fucking long and takes forever. Yeah, really. But I can remember this album like I was like so anxious for it to come out. And then it like wasn't coming out for some reason. And kept calling everywhere and like, oh, no, it's, it's not out yet. And I'm like, what the fuck is supposed to come out? You know, so I was anxiously awaiting this fucking album. And, you know, at first, when I first heard Stand, I was like, what the fuck? This this is weird. Yeah. Like, it didn't sound like Poison at all, and you got the fucking choir and shit singing. And uh, At first, I didn't really like it. But then it was one of those, I think I listened to it enough to where I talked myself into liking it. But really, I just wanted, like, something that sounded like Open Up and Say Ah. I just wanted, like, another Love on the Rocks or something, you know? And... Uh, Anyhow, then I bought the album when it finally came out, and obviously I put it on and didn't know what the fuck to think because it was so dark. And like, even the album, the artwork, it was, like, it's just dark and weird, and I didn't know, you know. It's like, I don't know yeah. if anyone could have listened to that going into it thinking, oh, this is the new Poison album. Like, I don't know if anyone could possibly listen to it and just love it right away. But then it was, like, okay, as I'm listening to the album, it's kind of growing on me song by song. Like, finally, like, Body Talk comes on, and I'm like, okay, this kind of sounds... This sounds more poison. Like, it at least... It's at least about sex, right? Like, it's <laughs> at least kind of dirty or something, you know? Sounds... It was, like, the closest thing to a cock rock song on there. And then, you know, I don't know. Some of the other shit, I guess, maybe kind of sounded a little bit like flesh and blood you know flesh and blood kind of was almost like the transition record where they kind of went from like the party rock shit to this but i think because unskinny bop was the hit on there it's like i i don't think that people really remember that that record was a little bluesier itself and a little bit more aerosmith you know yeah, because like and, you're saying, they had, like, Poison at least had an album in between or whatever. That was kind of transition. Motley Crue didn't. They're just like, okay, Vince Neil, Vince Neil, boom. And then here's yeah. something else, and you're just like, what the hell? Yeah. Although, <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, Primal Scream was a little darker in a way, a little heavier, a little bit more of like a heavy yeah, blues rock. Yeah, what's that thing you told riff? me about where it's got that, like, that pick thing? Isn't there that kind of where it almost has that rev up sound? Yeah, there is. There's some. There's some. There. There's some different guitar work, I guess. That's not really a present. Yeah, you know, I don't before. know. Yeah, I mean, it just was darker, heavier. So it was almost like there was that. Although that was just like a new song for a greatest hits thing. So yeah, it was kind of just like a one song that kind of maybe was transitioning into a darker place. So maybe they would have made that record, not that record, but. Yeah. They might have still made a darker record, even if Vince stayed in the band. But, you know, with these guys, I mean, losing CeCe, it was like, I don't know, man. Gaining somebody like Richie that could play like he played and could sing like he sang. I mean, that was the thing that at first I think was so hard to swallow was like, you got this guy singing circles around Brett Michaels on his own fucking record. Like, this guy comes <laughs> in, and, and I remember I bought the live thing because there was a... There was a live laser disc thing called fucking Seven Days Live, I think. 
Oh, because there was a live like album that I heard. I remember they we watched out that at your house one time. Not yeah. the Laserdisc, but... Right. They put it out later. I bought, oh, like, okay. a, boot, a bootlegged copy of the Laserdisc, I think, at co-op, you know, on VHS back yeah. fucking, Jesus, I don't even know, over 20 years ago. Yeah. I was, like, in high school or maybe, yeah, probably high school. And, uh, and then later back you know like when dvds were kind of the new thing and they started reissuing a lot of the vhs stuff on dvd they actually reissued that on dvd so i ended up buying it on dvd as well so i played the fuck out of that but dude it was just so weird because he's like clearly the talent of the band like you watch him live and he's like just straight up fucking bad motherfucker the whole time just playing circles around all of them, singing <laughs> circles around Brett Michaels to the point to where it was like, yeah, he just needs to not be in this band, you know. But hmm. I was glad he was because, man, I mean, this album is so fucking good that, you know, if there's one thing I could really say about this album, although there's a million things because, I, you know, I love it and it gets better. Like, the last half of the record is probably better than the first half you know at least i feel that way now after living with it for you know nearly 30 years at this point um god it kind of makes me feel old to like say that kind of shit out loud Hmm. but this really like the ballads on it to me are what really set it so much higher than so many other albums because if, if there's one thing i was tired of from 80s bands it was ballads you know, because the whole power ballad thing, and yeah. it put a lot of them on the map, at least as far as... They'll have to be like a formula kind of yeah. deal. It was, it, yeah, it was very formulated, and it just, you know, it whatever, it broke all these bands into the mainstream a little bit more, you know, and they're all fucking having top 40 hits and whatever, and they become a, a household name because of these ballads. Like, you know, your parents are like... No, I don't want you to listen to that rock and roll. That hard rock, heavy metal music is garbage. And then next thing you know, Every Rose Has Its Thorn comes on and they're turning the radio up like, well, I like this song. And it's yeah. like, fucking poser. <laughs> no, but anyhow, the great thing about the ballads, like Until You Suffer Some Fire and Ice and uh, uh, Theater of the Soul, those are just two great fucking songs, dude. And they're not like in any way, shape, or form the fucking power ballad. They're not the poison ballad that you came to know and love or whatever, you know? They're just really good fucking songs, man. Yeah. And even now, I listen to them, I'm like, man, they are just... Like, right now, I got Theater of the Soul in my head. Like, the chorus is just going, and I'm like, God, that's such a great fucking chorus, you know? I mean, this was, like, the one rare record where Poison had fucking good lyrics. Yeah, because what, like, <laughs> you know? what, how some of those other songs are going through your head... Like, like when you mentioned the album, like seven days is in my head. And that's one where it's like, he's talking about seven days getting over a girl. Brett Michaels and guys like Paul Stanley, they're not supposed to be getting over the girls. They're supposed to be the guys getting the girls, right? you know, and not having the heartache. Yeah. So they even kind of changed up their subject matter too, not just kind of the sound of it. Like it was a whole kind no, it's of it's a mature change. album. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Mature is a good word. Yeah. And it sucks because it like okay it didn't sell well it was a flop the tours obviously they weren't as big, um, and so what does Poison do? They try to go back to the whole cock rock thing, which I'll say this: um, Crack a Smile 
with Blue Saracena. Yeah, some like, of those songs are pretty cool. It actually, too. as far as like a return to form record goes, like I would almost put that on my, on my, uh, like top under. Like if this list was longer than five songs, it would probably make it too because yeah. I always thought that some of those songs were great. Even like some of it's really, really fucking cheesy to the point of almost being fucking terrible. But that is what Poison was. Yeah. And it was, you know, some of those songs were like Poison returning to the party rock band singing about nothing but sex and partying and shit. But like the songs were better, though. Really? Yeah. They oh, were, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I agree. Just yeah, because yeah. you just, yeah, just because it's not nothing but a good time and it's not that super dumbed down generic fucking rock that you're used yeah. to and that they still play on the radio. Like to me, half that fucking record could easily be, could easily replace nothing but a good time or talk dirty to me on the fucking radio. And you know, they just weren't given the chance. So I don't know why maybe I should have put that. Maybe it would have been more interesting to put that on my list because you know, in a lot of ways, like that's the one I think like, again, native tongue feels like a pretty basic bitch move on my part because yeah, it's underrated in the sense that it didn't sell well and blah, 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 blah all the other shit I'm just talking about, but like it is kind of commonly known kind of like the Karabi crew record. Like people just that are fans of music and these bands, it's pretty unanimous that this is a great fucking record and people love native tongue. The people that love it fucking love it. Like there's, you know, but there's probably plenty of people to fucking hate it. There's probably, you know, I'm hoping there's people out there that's going to chime in and comment and fucking laugh at me. And be like, you know, you're such a fucking dork, man. Who puts that on their list? Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, which, come on, people. Fire away at us. Yeah, which it We're might ready. very well be Denny. I don't know. I mean, yeah, he'd probably be the first person to make fun of me for it. But uh, I don't know. Or maybe he loves this record, too. I have no fucking idea. I don't know how much we've discussed this album. I feel like you and I have a lot in the past. And yeah. So that's why I kind of figured you probably had me pegged on this one. So. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, here, like, there was one I was going to talk about. Not that we ranked them, but there was one that I was going to talk about next, but I'll save that for last. Okay. So my fourth one is kind of not really related to um, your poison, like, native tongue, but in a way it kind of is, because the one I'm going to talk about is Mr. Big's Hey Man. So how I said I wanted to see what people rank the consensus online this is like always consistently at the bottom because you've got the first couple Mr. Big albums that are like really, you know, obvious uh, uh, choices. Then I think even the ones with Richie Kotzen rank above Hey Man. And then the more recent ones, like I can't remember the titles, but they've got yeah. the one with the weird guy's face on it yeah. and they've got another one since then. Those are always ranked above uh, um, Hey Man. But I like this album, and I think it's got a cool, different kind of sound to it, too. Like, yeah. like there's a lot of maybe, I don't know if it's more mature, like that's what you threw out for the Poison one. There's a lot of, like, I don't know, ballads, and there's, like, some acoustic stuff, and it's not Paul Gilbert just shredding all over the album. There's some different texture to it. Hmm. So that's why I like Hey Man. I don't yeah. know. Right on. Yeah, because even when Bob told me, because I didn't really listen to Mr. Big like at all until that Eric Martin show from 2015. And right before that, there was the Adler show one day and then uh, the Eric Martin one the next day. 
and I think leading up to that, I was talking to Bob because Bob really likes like Mr. Big, and he's like, "Hey, are you excited for that show?" And I'm like, "Not really. I'm just going because Denny's playing or something." He's like, "You should check out Mr. Big." So I think at the Adler show, he actually sold me a copy of what was it like, uh, uh, Bump Ahead with Colorado Bulldog because right. he liked that one. Yeah, that's a great fucking album. So yeah, I was really getting into some of those, but even I think I think the bump ahead could almost be considered underrated too because right. the one that the one that preceded it was the huge hit, um, you know. Lean into it. Yeah. So nobody really talks about bump ahead a whole lot either. But the one I yeah the one that makes my list is Hey Man, and I really like songs like uh, There's the Chain and Where Do I Fit In. And going where the wind blows. And I kind of feel like some of those lyrics, I kind of, like, sometimes I don't know where I fit in. So I kind of. Like there's an emotional attachment to yeah, it. Yeah, like I kind of I kind of listen to some of those lyrics and, you know. Well, I mean, dude, I'll be honest. It's one that I ignore for the most part. I mean, yeah. maybe I haven't given it enough of a chance, you know, but. Yeah, so that's why I was trying to go with the overlooked, like, too. I guess I kind of, like, yeah. skip ahead from, yeah, lean into it and. Bump ahead with you know, yeah, because the Richie Cotton stuff's shit. pretty cool though, too. Like, yeah. the what is it like actual size? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's got some cool stuff, but yeah, like I guess this one I'm talking about is right in the middle of those, yeah. But so, all right, Hell that was yeah. my fourth one, right? So, on. Mr. Big, but actually, like, we're talking about like some of these other bands or enough's enough, like, nobody really ever talks about Mr. Big anyway, so true. Yeah, who's to say all their stuff's probably underrated to basically the general, uh, <clears throat> I guess, population that listens to music, anyways. Right. So, so that's why I should, like I wasn't sure if I should even include uh, uh, Mr. Big. Well, you know that's the thing but, about this is this is our show and you can include whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. So, so all right, man. Dang, we're kind of moving along. Here. We are. This is weird. Um. So. My final one, drum roll, is Waiting for the Punchline from Extreme. All right, I knew that would be on the Yeah, <laughs> that's one that I've just always, I don't know, I'm, I've been pretty vocal about that one, how yeah. much I fucking love that album. I've always just swore, like, dude, it's my favorite Extreme album, you know? Hands down, like, it's not like, well, I think it's, you know, underrated and really pornography is my favorite, but I think this one's really cool. No, fuck you, like, this... B- blows their whole other fucking rest of their catalog away. It just does. Yeah. I mean it I mean I like the first couple records. I didn't like three sides to every story. I've tried over the years to just every once in a while I pop it in and I'm just like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> I can't like I still have it. I'm pretty sure it's still, you know, sitting on the shelf over there. Is that there, the one with rest in peace? Yeah. Yeah. It's just a turd of a record, man. I don't know. They just were way too pussified by that. <laughs> by that point, man, it was just I don't know, I don't know why, I just, whatever, fuck that record, I'm not going to talk about it, because I never did like it, but I feel like when Waiting for the Punchline came out, like, I I think everybody kind of gave up on them by that point, you know, because, I don't know, I think there's got to be other people, a lot of other people that thought that Three Sides of Every Story was a terrible record, just like I did, you know, and obviously, like, commercially, it didn't do what more than words or, you know, wholehearted yeah. did. I mean, and there's other, there's like get the funk out and stuff that were hits too. 
but obviously those ballads, you know, the acoustic stuff was kind of what really made Extreme like a household name with those fucking songs. And then Three Sides to Every Story, I think, like, yeah, I think, you know, Rust in Peace and um, what was the other song on there? Was that the single? Cupid's Dead, was that maybe the other single on Three Sides to Every Story? I don't remember. I just remember the rest did I say, of peace. Did I say rust in peace? Yeah. Yeah, but I was <laughs> going to say anything. <laughs> I know I said it was like, did I say that? Like, <laughs> rust in peace. Because, you know, nine times out of ten, Megadeth is cooler to talk about than three sides to every story. So, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't really remember what made me. You know, honestly, dude, this I, I think the reason I bought this album was because I really thought the album cover was cool. It was just weird, but it was like I remember seeing an ad in uh, like Metal Edge or Hit Parader for this album when it came out, and there was just something about the it just looked weird. Like yeah, this album and I'm trying to think of something else like Still Climbing from Cinderella. For some reason, there was just something about that album cover that always just was like I just thought it was cool looking. See, I thought that might have made your list because isn't it? It's just some weird kind of swirl with a ladder going up. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. It seems it's like they real, didn't even put much thought it's into it. It's a real like, simple, The label weird. didn't even think it was going to do anything. I thought like, it was a cool album cover, yeah. though. I think just because it was so different. Because it was like, okay, what are these bands doing now? Because yeah. this didn't look like it was coming from Extreme. Yeah. It didn't look like, you know, and like Cinderella's still climbing, like that record just looked like it would have been like a fucking Queensryche album cover or... You know, yeah, something like that, something along those lines, like a darker band or a more prog band or whatever. And I think that's why I just those that one pops in my mind when I think about how this album cover just kind of intrigued me because it's like, you know, this clown with this colorful kind of blueness to it. You know what I mean? It wasn't like black and white and then color, but it was like, yeah, almost like this monotone kind of, I don't know, I'm colorblind, really, so I have a hard time putting into words what the fuck I'm trying to say, Um, because I don't know, the fucking thing could be orange for all I know, and I can't see the orange in it, but, you know, it just has, like, this really, like, monotone, tan, like... Yeah, like, it is tan, and then it doesn't even have the extreme logo, it's, like, just, like, a typeface Yeah, it's, like, this totally, yeah, it's, like, they just totally, I don't know, I don't want to say it was trying to reinvent themselves... I don't know if that was intentional or not, but they did. Like, they reinvented themselves, not only... Oh, dude, it was so grunge, man. They grunged up grunge their cover. All. That's what was brilliant, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you even name me another record that sounds like this record? No. I think that's what makes this yeah. fucking album so fucking brilliant. And then, like, Nuno's guitar tone was totally, like, stripped back and not as gainy and didn't have the big cock rock sound. But, dude... <laughs> He plays his fucking ass off on this record, and, like, just the arrangements and st- just the stuff he's playing, the way that, like, I don't know, man. Some of the shit he throws in there that, like, follows, like, the melody of the vocal. I don't Dude, like, his guitar playing on this is fucking brilliant. Like, absolutely fucking brilliant. Like, Nuno is a badass guitar player. Everybody knows he can shred, you know. And to me, it's like, okay, he can shred, but he's not really doing anything that fucking Eddie Van Halen didn't already do, like, 20 years prior to this. But then this record is so fucking overlooked just based on the fucking brilliance of the guitar playing alone. Hmm. You know, let alone 
you know, never mind the great fucking songs. I love these songs. Like, There Is No God is still... That's going to be one of my favorite goddamn extreme songs. Like, you know, you do an extreme episode and we have to make a list. Well, spoiler spoiler alert, half this fucking record is going to be my list. Like, so I don't, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just such a good, weird record. Like, I don't, like, I was going to say it's dark for them, I guess. It's not a super dark record, but it kind of is, you know, but it's. I don't know. It's just different. It's different than anything. I've just, like I said, mm. whatever. I'm babbling, but I've just never heard another record to this day that sounded like this record. Hmm. And to me, it is just truly fucking brilliant. And I wish that they kind of could pull this off again, but they won't. I mean, because of the follow up, when they got back together years later and put out a new record, is just like watered down, just bored the fucking piss out of me. Yeah, it's just what everybody expects from Extreme. They weren't. But, yeah, I mean, well, and the funny thing is, too, so, like, the title track was actually, like, a hidden track on this album. Hmm. Like, now you go in, you know, fucking, like, I got it pulled up in Amazon here, and it's just listed as a song. But, like, when that came out, it wasn't listed on the back. It was like a, like, the album was over, and then it's like, wait, what's this? And something else is fading in, you know, and then they kick into that Waiting for the Punchline song, and I'm like, fuck. You know, it's a secret song. It's not even listed on the fucking track listing, but it's one of the coolest fucking ones on there. It was like probably the closest thing to a single, you know? I mean, even though, cause so hip today, I remember that was the single and I think I saw the video once. Hmm. I mean, it just flopped. Like it just came out and nobody gave a fuck about it, you know? Yeah. So it was really funny though, because it was almost like, they put out a single talking about their current situation. Hip today, you'll be gone tomorrow. You know, and it's like, <laughs> wow, you put you put that out as your single, and it was like literally like the fucking nail in the coffin for your career. You know, it's kind of funny, yeah. dude. It's kind of ironic and weird. You know, you think about it, and it, then it makes the fucking oh, it's that self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah. So I don't know, man. There's and you know, there's stuff that when it came out. I wasn't, like, the song Naked, I was like, eh, it's a little weird, like, maybe I was just too young and insecure to listen to a, another man sing about <laughs> his naked body, whatever the fuck, <laughs> but, uh, but now it's like, man, I really like that song, I think that's a really great fucking song, and um, Leave Me Alone is like a standout, you know, kind of dark yeah. tune that, I don't know, but it's weird, because that's like, like I was saying earlier, like what re- really to me makes a great record is like when you can go back 20 years after the fact, you're listening to it and you realize, oh, all of my favorite songs back then when this record came out are now like still cool, but now like all the songs that I kind of just thought were the okay songs back then are like the standout songs to me now. That's, you know, hmm. that's pretty brilliant, really. I mean, that to have a record that you've heard so many fucking times you've lived with it for 30 years and then like one day you just realize wow this almost has like a whole different life to me now like I I dig all the shit more now that was my least favorite shit back then so that makes it really cool because it's like still interesting it's like how am I how is this still interesting to me now you know hmm. so damn I don't know how I can follow this well I'm just done 
Let's quit. Andy only yeah. did four. Yep, I only did four. All right. Andrew, you're number five. I could probably choose any any album from this era of the band, and it would fit for underrated. My last choice is Black Sabbath's album uh, Forbidden. It's their last album with Tony Martin. Yeah. And it came out in June 95, and everything that I saw online is everybody said, oh, Black Sabbath is trying to do, they're trying to do, like, rap uh, metal. But they weren't. I think it's just a thing like how you're saying. If a single gets released and it sounds different, everybody just pegs the band as being of that sound. Like uh, like how some bands were labeled grunge, even though they might have had like a down-tuned like, song that was kind of thrown out to radio. Right. Nothing else on the album sounds like uh, the single that was released, Illusion of Power. So that did have like Ice-T from like Body Count on there, and he did a rap verse. But it's not a rap metal album. It's just one song that started the album um, yeah. uh, did. But you just didn't You just didn't go any deeper than that. Yeah. And so why I chose Forbidden was because, yeah, for that reason, because it's not rap uh, metal, uh, but there's some, like, good songs on there. Like, and I think why... Why it needs, why I went for it being maybe overlooked was because some of the other stuff with Tony Martin, he seemed to, even the first album, I guess, with Tony Martin was what, Headless Cross or something? Even, even like, people that might, like, be familiar with this era that are listening, uh, like, I saw something where Tony Martin, like, was even getting shit from Tony Iommi for his lyrics because he's like, he thought the band was satanic, so he just starts singing about <laughs> Satan and all this stuff, whereas, like, Ozzy and Dio's lyrics weren't no, yeah. even about Satan at all. But I think Tony Iommi came into the band and he goes, wow, this band's really dark. I better sing about, you know, Satan and crosses and shit. So they've got, like, some album called Cross Purposes or Headless Cross or all this shit. <laughs> So then, finally, on this album, I think Tony Martin maybe got it, and he's not singing about, like, he's not trying to force any kind of Satan or, like, you know, religious lyrics or something. He's just singing about other stuff. So that's why this one kind of stands out. But nobody gave a shit about Black Sabbath at that point. Right. And even I've read something, too, where Tony Iommi's going back, and he's, like, remixing the album. So maybe... I heard he was doing some of them, some of those records. Yeah, because that's the thing, is like none of these really ones with Tony Martin are even online. Like I think there's one, like The Eternal Idol. But the other ones, I had to get cassettes from Bob just to hear these. Oh, really? Yeah, because like, you, you can't, can't find them. Can find them on CD or anything? Like for like $60 on eBay. Right. I'm not paying $60 for a CD in like 2021. Yeah, right. Or even before, even I would know everything's going up now, but it's yeah. So they hell. are like like reissuing Black Sabbath. Like you picked up Mob Rules and like Heaven and Hell and stuff, and they're reissuing on the Aussie stuff. But nobody's even paying attention to Tony Martin. Shit, I didn't even pay attention to Tony Martin at first. I thought he was just like a Dio knockoff. Yeah. But even the cover of this album's bad too, so that might get overlooked. But well. A bad I mean, cover can, yeah, yeah, it can, it can turn people too. off. I mean, especially back then because it wasn't like you could. It's like a really bad Grim Reaper cartoon, yeah, and it looks like shitty. Like they just doodled it from like a coloring book, yeah, or something. Well, and that's the thing is like back then, you had to commit to buying it. 
Like, it wasn't like today where you could, like, sample the whole fucking thing before you yeah. buy it online. Yeah. Or just be like most people and don't even buy it, no matter how much you like it. Well, I got it on Spotify. I can just listen to it whenever I want. <laughs> like, yeah. Great. Good for you, dickhead. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah. So, that's... I mean, dude, you had more curveballs in there than I did. I've, you know... Like I don't I know. Said, maybe I was I trying to overthink it and shit. Well, I guess I did well, find I made this it more album on YouTube. So. so, I listened to... If we just had, you know, the same fucking list, it wouldn't have been a very yeah. uh, interesting episode. So, I'm, dude, I'm not going to lie. I thought for sure you were going to have uh, Metallica's Load on there. <laughs> I just Really? Thought, you thought like, I'd have that on I there? I just thought, like, man, like, I'm wearing a Metallica he's going to fucking today, put, like, Reload on there or something, you know? Oh, no, man. So, I don't know. I mean, hey, I'm impressed with your list. I'm not trying yeah, to like, make funny. I, I, I was trying to, like... I just thought like, he's going to really walk in here and he's homework. just going to piss me off. He's going to say something that pisses me off. He's going to yeah. have some pick that I'm just going to get up and walk away. Yeah. Fuck it, Andy. The show's all yours. I'm out. Yeah, because my initial I list, really my initial that, five but. was the Motley Crue, uh, like 94. Um, it was Def Leppard, like Euphoria. But I was like, I looked that up when we were talking about sales figures. That one still sold. It still went. Yeah. I think like it was a gold album or something. And they still yeah. even play songs from that album because that was kind of like their return to form thing. And they did kind of yeah. Like I didn't have slang on here. You're like nobody's gonna have slang, but I was hoping you would. Shit. So yeah, my initial ones was Motley Crue, Def Leppard, Alice Cooper. Bon Jovi, and I even thought of the Poison one, but I was like, those are almost a little bit too, too obvious. Maybe not that I'm giving you shit for right, it because no. you really like those albums and right. you like, you like wave the flag for those oh, albums. Yeah, like, yeah. But when I came in and uh, I heard those, I didn't really have a lot of attachment to the other bands right. or whatever, like Motley Crue and like Bon Jovi and stuff. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's pretty. I don't know. I say it's really basic, bitch of me, but. No, it's I guess not. maybe just because like, like you know that, <laughs> like you already knew yeah. those albums about me and stuff. But I mean, people listening, you know, other than like our close friends are like, oh god, Brent's talking about the fucking Motley '94 record again. Uh, here we go, or you know, and I like you said, like I've been waving the fucking flag for that Extreme record for years. Mm. It's like, how do you not love this record? I don't understand. Mm. It's the fucking most badass record ever assholes um but yeah so no it was fun it was fun to rant about them anyhow yeah and dive into shit and kind of try to think a little bit so i think that pretty well wraps it up yeah andy and Good i choice are gonna go for see the episode. uh yeah we're gonna go see faith no more in a few days so who knows maybe our next episode will be uh ranking our favorite faith no more songs we'll see we'll i'm see totally happens. down for that we got a long ride down to the concert and back so we can we can discuss future plans so fuck yeah thank you all for listening until next time 